getting to the core, that's the biggest set of questions I would start with. When did you notice it was happening? How did that compare to what we do? Did you know this was a problem? You know, is this a training issue? Because then you're, as a leader, you're like, how do I make sure this never happens again? Hey, everyone out there. Think of the best leader that you've ever had in your life. What was the single best quality that they had? Uh, leave it in the comments below. So think of the best leader that you've ever had in your life and what were some of the best qualities that they have. Leave them in the comments below. Hey, everyone. I'm John Timmerman, and I miss the hair, the giant cell phones, and the rock and roll of the 80s. Don't you? Hey, and I'm Rob Shogger. And whoever sent me that damn fruitcake for Christmas, stop sending that shit. It's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. Ugh. Fruitcake? Yeah. I don't know where that came Ugh. from, but wish it never happened. Anyways, we are the co-founders of the Noble Company, coming to you from inside Syracuse Studios. Check out our new lighting studio. Uh, Syracuse is Syracuse's newest co-working space, combining creativity, comfort, and community. Check them out at Syracuse.com. Com. Today's show is the essential skills to be a better leader with the great Mike Penabianco. Uh, so Mike, Mike is a performance consultant with Mission Performance Group. For the past three decades, Mike has been dedicated to getting people where they want to be. As an airline captain and labor executive, he has been uh, on the pointy end of leadership, ensuring that passengers get to their destinations safely and that his fellow aviators achieve their career goals as well. He's a son of a farmer and an entrepreneur. He has used the lessons learned from working the field, the barn, and the market to guide his aviation career as well as his personal business, Mission Ready Human. Mike believes that every person has one true mission and that they are perfectly built to succeed at, serve, and be fulfilled by. As a performance consultant, his goal is to help people find their mission and build tools to succeed in their life and with their teams. Mission Ready Human is his mission to help others live theirs. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mike Pennybianco. Hey, Mike. good afternoon, guys. Hey, Mike. Welcome to the show, my friend. Glad to be here. It's an honor to be here with you guys and uh, love what you're doing for Syracuse. As a, as a, a native Syracusan, I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys will do with, uh, with with the next few years, especially when COVID gets off of our back. We're going to rock and roll, my friend. We're going to hopefully crush it. So uh, cheers to that. So welcome to the show, Mike, and cheers to you, to life, love, lots of laughter, and throwing away the box from your microwave meal and then imme immediately having to fish it out to find how long to cook it. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, Mike. <laughs> Just overcook it. It's fine. Yeah. Man, I gotta tell you. So, the, so everyone out there, these <laughs> things, these cheers, comes from our co-founder Al, and I don't know how he comes up with them, but they are hilarious and so incredibly accurate every time. I don't, I don't know. And there's no deep thought. He just pulls his shit out of his no. ass at the very last second, and boom, they're magic. There's a part of his brain that somehow crafts those. He's got the genius of the guy that makes those protest signs of the most ridiculous things. Yes, exactly. That guy's, that guy's viral. Al, Al's working on his own brand, though. Yeah, he, he is. He could probably charge to help people come up with I'm those signs. Sure he so, could. anyways, today we're going to be talking about leadership. Mike, you've had a long, uh, successful career at leading people, and you come from a 
from a unique angle that I'm super excited to talk about. So we have a, a community of entrepreneurs, uh, hungry professionals to be leaders, uh, people that are just generally motivated to get more out of their not only professional life, but their personal life as well. Um, and your career as a, an airline captain and a labor executive, you know, provides some a really unique insight. And I'd like to jump off there and um, with your unique position, you most likely have seen uh, problems with culture and leadership that the leaders don't see. Am I right? Yes. Um, I, I've seen uh, not only the front line, it's funny because it's a three hat type position. Uh, as a labor leader, you're also still an employee of a company and you're a, a, an employer for people that don't work for the parent company of your membership. And, and then you're also the representative who has to step in and, and deal with the day-to-day -day representative issues and con, you know, uh, contractual issues and things like that. So it's a very unique position to get the full view of, of a business. So check it out. I grew my company 600% in 2020, one of the most chaotic years our world has ever seen. And I did it by learning from the best business builders this planet has to offer. That's exactly why we put together Noble 2020 2.0 with speakers like Gary Vaynerchuk, Constance Schwartz-Marini, David Meltzer, Terika Lynn-Smith. And we are selling tickets at an 85% discount right now. Click the link below because the price goes up every 15 days. Well, that leads me to my first question, which I, I know is going to help anybody out there, uh, whether they're coming from a leadership standpoint or they're a part of a, a team. Um, but what are maybe, you know, what are your top things that leaders often miss when trying to create a better culture or lead a team? You know, what are some of the things that you across your career that has come up that, you know, as a CEO or a COO or an executive of some sort who wants to see these things, but especially part of a larger company that they just don't see and that, and that they're missing the, the mark? I think, uh, and, and what attracted me to the airline that I fly for was the, the very open and clear communication of the, the mission, the values, the principles of the company uh, made it very, very attractive to go and work there as someone from the outside. And as someone on the inside, it made it very easy for us to go to work and, and succeed just by being ourselves because we were hired to be part of that model. Uh, I think where a lot of things go astray for companies is they they don't spend enough time on that original that original organizing principle that you base everything else around and then continuously communicate that. Uh, I think a lot of people forget where they come from. A lot of people forget what they are all about, and and they chase metrics um, and and they lose that core common mission that everybody at that company is was originally chosen for. And if they weren't chosen for that, then you probably have other problems to discuss. And I see a lot of that in the labor arena as well. Yeah. But uh, it's hard. You, you as a leader, you're you're basically the cheerleader for the company mission and for the values and for the principles and policies and things like that. And I see that's probably the biggest gap that I see when there's wind shear between 
uh, what what those written principles are, what people were expecting when they came to work for you, and what they actually get in the day to day experience. Um, and and stemming from that, you know, there's there's multiple levels of, especially in a larger company, there's multiple levels of leaders. You know, there's there's not just one leader, right? And like in my company, we're we're a small business. You know, I, I there there are more leaders now that we're growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and those leaders are getting better and taking and you know falling into their sort of skill sets. Uh, but in a larger company, there's multiple levels of leaders. You have somebody or a board or somebody you know at the top somewhere, and then you have managers, and then or you have VPs, and then you have managers. Can you t- can you describe some of the positive attributes that those different levels might need to have? Because in my experience, there's there's different necessities and there's different positive attributes that you could have as a manager or a director or a VP or an executive and different skill sets sort of along the way. And I think it's important for people to understand that. You know, I have people in my own company that are, they generalize leader. Like I want to be a leader, but you know, what type of leader do you want to be is, is a question that I always come back with. So what are your thoughts on those different positive attributes in the different levels? Sure. I think at the very top is more of a strategic leadership where you're sharing consistently. You're the calm, uh, you're the center of all communication. You're the one who's pumping out that this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is what I want everyone to experience. You know, up at, at the higher levels, that's really where you're at is, is the big picture view and, and keeping people centered on their mission. And as you scoot down into the middle management areas, that has to that's where your your operational procedures and your your day to day start hitting that strategy and i think that you know number one great recruiting and and having the right people in place i can't emphasize that enough when you bring the wrong people into your company this becomes problematic from the bottom all the way to the top and it doesn't matter if it's your you know whoever you have doing the custodial work in your office all the way through your middle management and upper level management. If you get bad players on your team, you're going to have a lot harder time. But like I said, as you get down into the lower levels, the the squad level, the tactical team level of your company, uh, I go to work with a team of five or six. And, you know, every day for, for me is to remind everybody what our priorities are, safety and service and efficiency and customer service is all the way around that because if, if we do poorly at that, excuse me, not, not the Corona. Um, if we do poorly at that, that's going to be on social media. It's going to be, you know, out there giving us a black eye and it hurts our business, hurts our mission. So really at that, you know, at the lowest levels, it's, you know, anybody's a leader in the company, even if you are the, you know, uh, just a frontline person that, that stock shelves, you're still on the front line. Walking by, you know, if you're in a grocery store and you're you're a clerk and you walk by a spot that's bare and you know that there's a case full of product in the back, do you, even if it's not your area, are you going to hold the guy who's maybe responsible for that or or do it yourself and, and get get moving and, and get that stock shelf or that shelf stocked? Um, yeah, leadership is all the way up and down. It's a lot more tactical at the lower levels, but you know. Again, if you're a good strategic leader, you're telling people that are in those tactical positions what you need to hear back from them so that you can adjust. 
and, and be more successful. So that open line of communication and, and empowering people that no matter what position they're in, 360 degrees around them, there's a leadership opportunity and teaching them what that is. I think that's ultimately very, very important. Um, it, it, this is a good segue into some of uh, Rob's questions about um, being a part of a team. But you, you mentioned, you know, you can be a leader in any position. And I, I have, have having been an employee, having been an entry level and now being a leader and, uh, you know, constantly trying to better myself, it's, it's interesting to see that people that are entry level, you know, it's hard to have an immediate confidence when you don't have experience, right? Mm -hmm. And so when, as a leader, I find myself having expectations of people who are entry level or, you know, a few years in showing leadership skills. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm constantly saying, okay, you need to take charge of this. You need to take charge of this. And then I have to constantly put myself in check a little bit and say that they haven't gained the confidence and it takes a very rare person to come in automatically confident. Um, you know, be, because maybe they were raised that way. You know, you were raised on a farm, you were raised, you know, hard, working hard and, and taking charge of different things. And so that might've come more natural to you versus somebody else that was, you know, maybe coddled a little bit more when they were a child and told, you know, to do these different things. And so it's a very interesting thing for me to experience, to try to figure out how to empower people who are coming in a little bit newer to find those leadership skills that they have. They just don't know they have. Um, one thing that I'll say and then leave it to Rob is, uh, you know, what are some of the things that you've seen in your career that are really special from people who are coming in entry level that are respected by leaders? You know, what are some of the great things that an entry level can do to show that they're uh, maybe a good leadership candidate down the road? Hey, I always thought um, when, I, when I used to do an introduction dinner for our new hire uh, aviators, that uh, I would always say, hey, I'm new. And, and even though I'd been with the company for 20 years, I always say, hey, the best thing you can say for yourself is that I'm new and I'm learning. And if you have anything that can help me out, I'm really open to hearing it and, and being trainable. I think a lot of problems today center around people not being as good as at taking constructive criticism. And maybe we're not as good as at giving it. But uh, as far as from the perspective of the new hire, I think being open and saying it and giving that trust that you're not going to get, you know, I hate, I hate being this way, but, you know, you're not going to be butt hurt if I give you some helpful, helpful hints. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think that openness sets a tone and that tone carries into, you know, how much rope I'm going to give you as a leader and, and let you, you know, let you run with it a little bit and see where the tension, you know, where, where you get a little bit of tension there. But I, I think openness to learn is the biggest thing and saying, I don't know when you don't know, because if I'm counting on you, uh, you know, I, I go to work with a guy that I'd probably have never met uh, almost every week. And when I get in the airplane, I expect that person to be prepared, ready, trained, good to go. If he's sitting in that seat, he's checked all the boxes, but you know, there are other things, you know, maybe you got something going on at home, but you know, when we start our briefing, it's like, Hey, you know, you got anything going on? Is there anything that, you know, we should talk about before we get going? Are you good to go? 
And, and yeah, you know what, you know, I'm going through a divorce and I've got some stress. And so if I seem like I'm maybe a little bit in the yellow or the red, it's just, I got, you know, I'm dealing with attorneys and stuff like that. Good to go. Good communication. Yeah. You know, good communication sets, sets the tone and, and lets me know as a leader, I got to look out for this guy. Cause I, as a leader, I'm here to serve you. I'm not, you're not here to serve me. I'm here to serve you and the, and the crew behind us and the passengers with them. So, uh, also in the, in the office, same thing, you know, the small business, man, people need that. I think that's a good point, Mike, that you, you know, and I don't know that we see enough of this in, in business today is that you walk in every time you're taking a flight out as a servant leader, you put your ego in check. It doesn't matter what you've got going on. And, and you just said it best. You're there to serve them. Your, your expectation as you're walking, you know, down the, uh, the aisle to board the plane is, is not that these people are all here to serve me. I've been here for, you know, 20 years. I do this, I do that. It's the, you don't think of yourself as someone who runs in positional leadership. You know, you're, we're running in servant leadership. So that being said, being that you are a, a captain, being that you are the, uh, the executive on the labor side, how do you bridge the gap knowing what you know, from number one, being there for a long time, number two, on, on the labor end, how do you bridge the gap between the, the newer staff and the executive side, uh, the senior the senior leadership team? The, are, you, are you referring to the staff in the office? No, no on, the, on, the, on the ground, you know, from okay. the, from um, the airline side of things. Well, I think uh, the, the best thing that I have going for me in, in the company that I work for, and I, I'm not really at liberty to talk about them as a representative, but I would talk about them as an excellent example of, of business done right in the past. Mm -hmm. Very, very successful company, uh, storied history. Uh, to share a little bit of that history, what you've seen over 20 years can help people gain perspective because times are very, very difficult right now. Um, almost every airline has faced furlough or some significant financial impact, both to the stockholders, to the, the employees and to the vendors that serve us in the airline industry. So sharing a little perspective, you know, it's feast and famine. Sometimes this is probably the worst of the famines that I've seen. Uh, even, even compared to nine 11, this has just blown the doors off of, uh, you know, the trials of, of, uh, the, the operating environment. However, this too shall pass. And as a leader, a situational leader and somebody who's been around for 20 years, I need people to be focused on taking care of the few customers that we have and bringing more customers in and sharing some history, sharing some experience and, and giving some depth of what's actually going on up high is, is helpful for a lot of people to stay focused on what we really do. And that is customer service. So I hope great, I answered your question. Yeah, great segue into the next question. So, being in a uh, being in a leadership role, being in a very competitive industry, what would you say that you do to make a difference when you're when you're heading out on a flight for the customer experience? So you're the you're the captain of the plane. How do you personally go about making a difference in the overall client experience from a leadership perspective? So for me, I think it's uh, presence. The minute you walk up to the gate area, people are looking at you. 
and they they're wondering they they probably hope to see someone a little older with more hair and more gray hair my hair is actually really gray but i shave it all off so that i can keep my young my <laughs> young yours. appearance uh but I, I think uh everyone's looking and how you approach the gate uh how you walk up and take your paperwork people are always like oh this is the person i'm putting my life in their hands and sometimes uh, what i like to do is engage uh, one of our wheelchair passengers and mm -hmm. just, you know, ask them where they're going. If they'd like to come with us, would you be my special guest? Sometimes I push wheelchairs and, and, you know, talk to the people on the way down and, and tuck them in. Um, most of the time right now with uh, the way things are going with COVID, we don't get the opportunity to really interact much. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a little harder, but I think a, a good, uh, interaction with them at the gate. If you can, even if it's just presence, even if it's just saying good morning and smiling, people can still see if you're smiling above a mask, sure. they can still see your eyes and, and they know that there's, there's somebody in there that's, that's human and can, can talk with them. But, um, you know, we, we have as, not as many uh, opportunities to interact with people as we used to, but even how I treat the ops agent, who gives me my paperwork, how I treat the wheelchair customers. I think that starts the tone for that flight for the people that can see it uh, and then get the rest with the PA. Gotcha. So before you shared with us a little bit about your interaction with say the, the, the team that's kind of boots on the ground, what about your experience when you're dealing with another 20 year veteran and you're in that leadership role, how does that differ for you when you're out with those type of people and you see a, a scenario or a situation? How do you, how do you choose to, to lead them through whatever you might be encountering in that? So I've found over the years that the best way to start a conversation with someone who will probably be defensive for you bringing it up is to ask a question and 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 leave it a little bit because there may be something that you don't know and as a matter of fact just last week i had a really interesting event happen with um uh some unruly passengers i was a i was also in the back uh deadheading where i'd finished a trip in another city right. and i was just catching a ride back here to to uh, dallas and something happened and it was odd and so you know a lot of questions need to be asked and, and some patience because you, there's always a piece that you don't know. And I learned a lot of that. Um, my role this past year has been as an investigator in ERHR issues. There's always something you can learn. And the better quality questions you ask can start that relationship in the right way instead of just charging in and saying, hey, why did you do that? Um, it's delicate and, and it's situational too. So, you know, really you have to kind of take a deep breath and think about what would I have done in that situation and get, get the story straight in your own head before you open your mouth and start that conversation. Because, you know, with a peer, with a, with a, you know, another, and, and even the way we operate as pilots, everybody's a peer, even if they're a first officer and I'm a captain, a 20 year captain, they're a seven or eight year first officer. I still give them a very, very high level of respect because they've earned it. Um, I know some of those first officers are, you know, retired uh, military test pilots or shuttle pilots, or, I mean, I flew with a guy who'd been up in the shuttle five times and never wow. even knew it until probably the second or third day that I was flying with them. Um, you know, but there's all sorts of, you never know who you're talking to, you know, skill, skill isn't the entry to an airline job. It's just showing up and, and being hired at, at one time and they give you a number. So. Sure. 
you may be sitting next to, and I flew with guys that flew for us airways for 20, 22 years. And I was a seven or eight year captain. And so those guys were throwing gear for me in the right seat. So I'm very, very careful about giving everybody respect and asking questions and trying to get to where we can have a conversation uh, before diving into something. You, you mentioned um, asking questions first before you dive into, you know, asking questions that aren't just, why did you do that? So investigating a little bit more. I, I want to touch on that for a minute because that's selfishly, that's something that I want to learn, you know, what that is. Because as we, as you know, I'm in the advertising world and, and marketing world, and as we grow more and more and more, things need to happen faster and faster to facilitate that growth and support that growth. And I often find myself becoming a little impatient, not with people necessarily, but with processes. Mm. And, and I want to figure out where the breaking points are f- as fast as possible to, uh, to prevent any cracks or breaks from happening and to keep moving faster and faster to keep things flowing. So um, that being said, can you give some examples of some of those questions just generally that you might ask to try to investigate a little bit more before, you know, I'll just use some examples of ways that I know that I've uh, handled, you know, poorly situations, which is, um, you know, you mentioned it. Why did, why did you do it that way? Um, you know, why did this happen? Can you figure out what happened? What, whose fault was it? I, I know I've used that and not, I, I didn't even intend it to be person, but more client versus us. You know, who's, whose fault was it? And it, it's just trying to get to the answer as quickly as possible. And in hindsight, I'm like, no, that, that's not the best way to handle that because now it's, it backs people up into a corner and puts people into a box. Can you give an idea, give some examples of some of those questions to try to investigate a little bit better before, before I personally or any other leader would, would jump into to some conclusions? Sure. So I'm always interested in, in, in a few different things as an investigator. One of the things that I'm interested in is the timeline. When did you first become aware? Because things are kind of out of hand until you really are aware of what's going on. And, you know, when you're talking to somebody specifically, what was the what did you see first that caught your attention? When did you be when did you become aware? And, and if it's an incident or something like that or um you know, I'm not sure what context to put it in, in the advertising world, you know, Hey, when did you first notice that that works. The software, uh, the software or, um, the market shifted, you know, we weren't getting any feedback on these ads. We were putting ads out and we're not getting a good, you know, we're not getting a good return, uh, or a click through, I think click through might be a good one. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. My brother, if my brother was sitting here, like your brothers in the marketing world or something, (laughs) you marketing guys are all alike. Um, But, you know, the first level of awareness and, and how did you compare that to what our priorities are? And again, it just depends on what the training is. I know what the training is of every person around me. And if I don't know, I'm asking questions about training. When you were in training, did you learn this? Did I fail to give you this information? Did I make sure that you were competent in this skill set? Um, when was the last time you did it? Because sometimes that will give you that perspective that says, all right, slow your roll, put on your mentor hat. You know, sometimes you're wearing a teacher hat, sometimes you're wearing a coach hat, and sometimes you're wearing a mentor hat. You know, yeah, I got blindsided like this before myself. I get it. Let's step back and look at what the the driving priorities are for this department and for our company as a whole. So when we see something like this happen again, 
you know, does that make sense? You know, you sort of, you're, you're sort of bringing them back into the fold because hopefully you've hired the right person. Maybe they made a mistake Yeah. and, and showing them that mistake. Sometimes it's a coaching, you know, a coaching moment. Sometimes it's a teaching moment and sometimes it's a mentor moment. And, and I think as a leader, you have to discern between which one of those three you need to use because you can totally alienate somebody. If you just come down like a hammer on somebody and I've worked probably two or three guys that are like that. And you literally had to just like bite your tongue and just like, I'm not an idiot. I knew that happened. I made a mistake. I don't need you to beat me about it and then reply all and beat me some more. Uh, you know, we see those horrible examples, you know, in those toxic cultures, that's where that starts. I think with a few of those, and then there's some resentment that builds up. So I think it's getting to the core. That's the biggest set of questions I would start with. When did you notice it was happening? How did that compare to what we do? Did you know this was a problem? You know, is this a training issue? Because then you're, as a leader, you're like, how do I make sure this never happens again? It's done. We can't undo it. But how do we make sure it never happens again? And I keep this person as a valuable member of my team. Yeah. So that's the line. That's the initial line of questions that I'd probably go into. It's just, you know, super investigator mode, timeline, you know, what level of awareness did they have and when did they have it? What were some of the cause and effect, uh, you know, fact patterns that were in front of them? And, you know, where were the decisions made that came, that resulted in a negative outcome? And sure. really trying to uncover that. Uh, we have an interesting comment that came through from uh, JC, a loyal follower um, and watcher. She said, new employees can dem demonstrate leadership skills by taking uh, early by taking in small cross-functional projects. Uh, they may have nothing to do with their current role, but can assume leadership with a company event, team celebration, et cetera. She said she's seen great leaders show their skills this way. Um, and that segues sort of into so some of the sort of conversations you're talking about and questions. Uh, people need to take risks sometimes. And, mm -hmm. and much more maybe in my world now, being a smaller business, this is easier maybe than, than in a larger company that has a lot of checks and balances. Um, but in my opinion, some level of going outside of the box is going to be a little bit risky. And there's this, there's this going back to sort of my confidence comment, um, that if people want to show that they're a good leader, I believe they have to come to the table with some outside of the box thinking, uh, which may come along with some risk. Um, and so if, if, if they do that, if they have the confidence to do that from the get go, or they build the confidence or as a leader, you empower them with that confidence. Um, there may be some striking out and there may mm -hmm. be some instances where a leader then has to come and say, you know, this, or, or think this is a mentorship moment. This is a teaching moment. Um, and, and figure out what that is. So it's a great comment by, by JC, um, that if you think you should be a leader or you want to be a leader, uh, and tell me if you agree with this, then taking some calculated risks, um, that aren't going to cost the company anything big or that, you know, are within the boundaries that you're allowed to move depending on the size of the company. Um, and, and proving to your team that you're willing to try to grow. You're willing to try to grow. Owning up to your mistakes is actually the point that I'm getting to mm -hmm. is one of the best ways to alleviate all these things that we're talking about. Um, 
Of course, there's probably exceptions to the rule. If you have the type of leader that is much more hammer, then it, it could be risky. But what are your thoughts on, you know, entry level, newer employees taking calculated risks? Again, could be very small, could be as much as, you know, wheeling somebody in a wheelchair in, even though that's maybe not something they learned in training or going above and beyond with their personality and, uh, you know, going through the, the airplane and saying hi to every single passenger that comes on and what's your name, you know, things like that, that are just going out of protocol can show that you're developing as a leader. Do you agree with, with that? Or do you I do. To add? I work in a bad environment for that because we are so structured and, and safety is our offset to risk. And, you know, we, we always measure risk based. We make decisions at, at the, the level that of, of risk that doesn't involve a negative impact being brought to our customers. Yeah. But for like customer centric type things, um, I love, I love it when somebody innovates a little bit. Now as a leader, you have to set the, the tone and establish safety and trust for that person to feel that they can even step up. Um, there are some environments where you will get absolutely murdered yeah. for walking outside of regulation policy procedure. You will, you know, the law says this, the company's policies are this, these are the procedures we expect you to follow bar none. If you're in that environment, then this is very, very difficult. If you're not in that environment, environment, and if you're in like the startup community, if you're in a, you know, a young and growing company, you know, they're, they're, again, you have the opportunity to lead from any position you're in, start probing the people above you for, Hey, how will this go? If I, if I had an idea, would you be interested in hearing it? And could I, could I bend your ear for maybe 15 minutes after work today and, and kind of test the waters? If there's, if there's no example of it, some places are out there just like, you know, I want to hear it. If my team isn't talking to me, if you hear a noise in the back of the airplane and you're not calling me, you know, you've been back there for 20, you know, 15, 20 years and you're hearing something you've never heard before. Get on the phone, talk yeah. to me, you know, uh, again, I mean, I think it just, the baseline is what company do you work for and who's your boss? And if you're the leader there, and if you don't have people communicating up the chain to you, then you're not leading. You're, you're just out, you're dragging people around. Um, and I've seen that people don't want some, some bosses don't want to hear it or they'll, they'll hear it and they don't do anything about it. Um, you know, and, and again, I just, you know, I always link it back to organizing principles if you want the safest operation possible, if you want the most productive, uh, you know, advertising agency, you want to get new clients and you want to show some real amazing, you know, results, then you need a team that's just pinging. And that means they all have to be talking. They all have to be committed to getting that job done. And, and even if you're the guy that cleans the office at night and you realize someone left their folder sitting on a desk and, and you make a phone call, I mean, then that's part of that team too. And, you know, sometimes you just have to live it out loud as a leader to, to make sure that those people, that those are their assets. There's so much in their heads. And if you don't go after it and you don't make an environment where they can bring it out, I think you're, you're, you're hobbling yourself. You're hobbling your company and you're underserving your customers. Shame on us for sure, you know. And uh, I got one more question. You got anything else on, on your end? Uh, just one more stemming off of that is for a company that is really structured, as you mentioned, that can't avoid it because of the industry that they're in, uh, could be 
airline, could be medical, could be legal. Uh, so a company that has to be highly regulated and there is not a lot of room for risk taking. How can a leader at any level, we'll just generalize it, how can a leader within that company make sure that it's not a culture that shuts everything down, right? So, you know, what are some general suggestions that you have or, or insights that you have for a company that is highly regulated to still have employees that are happy and feel like they have a purpose and it's not just, um, uh, what do you call it? Assembly lines. You know, yeah. it's not just all protocol, protocol, repetition. protocol, repetition, yeah. and, and we don't allow any unique thinking. You know, where's that fine line or does it exist? Well, I think if you take input from the line, from, from the front line, from the people that are out there actually interacting with your customers and, and you sincerely accept it and put it through the evaluation process, and even if it doesn't work or there's a reason why you can't go forward with it, if you share the, the why of it, I think you maintain that open communication that they're like, you know, hey, look, so you know, you suggested that we do this on Tuesdays with uh, one of our advertising campaigns. And I'm, I'm just pr trying to bring it back into something a little less stringent than the airline world. The airline world does it too. We're very strict, um, but they take input. They take input from the front line and they listen. And where I think where they don't do well is when they don't respond to your input or blow it off or give you a, sorry, that'll never work. Thank you for playing. Um, but if you go into it, so, you know, there's a process, you know, we are going to do this with an ad on Tuesdays and, you know, I love the suggestion. I love the innovation that you brought. We used to do ads on Tuesdays before you got here, but, um, and here's what we found. Here was the data. Do you think that there's something that's changed in, in, you know, again, engage, has something changed out there that might be different from the last time we tried it and were unsuccessful? Is there something different about now? Or is there a different method that you, that, you know, again, the investigator just goes, I've got a thousand questions. Do you have a different way of doing it that we might be more successful at? And, and again, if it's a regulatory issue, if it's a legally bound area, make sure that everyone knows where the, where the sandbox is. And then yeah. you innovate within the sandbox and Great. that's, and just do it. You have to do it sincerely. If you don't, I mean, look, there's one gen, there's one thing that everyone smells and it's insincerity when you're just checking a box and you're like, Oh, not this person again, here we go. You know, so a great idea Friday is what we used to call it in the office when we were during uh, uh, board meetings is like, or a great idea Thursday. Cause that was usually the last day of the board meeting. I was like, Hey, you know what we should do? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, so uh, there's always that. But I think as a leader, if you if you engage the people and you really you really draw out of them what the idea is, because you may not know what they've got cooking in there. They may just have an idea. You give them a little data and some evidence. Maybe they solve a problem for you and you make them a, a bigger part of the solution. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm always asking questions. I'm, I'm full of questions. I love it. I mean, it, that that's at the core of whether you're a great leader or a great team member or a great client is questions. Because in my opinion, expectations and assumptions that go on communicated are, you know, the death of a relationship at some point, because you're going to get it wrong in your own head. 
or your own yeah. background it's a recipe the, for disaster the history yeah. that you had could 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 be totally different than what could be so um i love asking questions speaking of questions you had one more i've got a question for you mike so before we let you go uh what do you want to share with us about uh mission performance group okay so um I don't pitch it much because it's like brand new, hot off the press. Um, what I am trying to do is gather the people together. And, and Rob, you know, you and I have had this conversation. We have unique skill sets. And I am really jazzed that this year, 2021, to go out and start making a difference in people's lives. People that are stuck, that are smashing the, the snooze bar, they're just not living it. And I mean, TikTok people, I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm not going to live forever. And there are a few things that I have not checked off my list of stuff to do. And there are people that are just plain stuck. They don't even know where to look. I don't think they've looked high enough yet or deep, deep inward. Um, so I, I would like to get out there. And again, I just launched the website yesterday and the first blog is up and I've got three or four more that I'm working on. But uh going to launch a podcast called One True Mission. I have uh, two partners in that podcast, uh, Dr. Ann Newman. She's uh, she is a CEO of a company out in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that handles uh, conflict management training, uh, bringing respectful and safe workplaces, uh, making that a reality for a lot of people that work in very tense and very uh, uh, high-risk uh, environments. And then my brother, Chris Panabianco, who is the CMO at BHG there in Syracuse. And we're going to go get the story of mission out of people. We want to, you know, when you're, when you're lying awake and things are eating you up and, and success is just over the next hill, what did it take for you to get there? I want to know. I want to, like I said, I'm full of questions. I want to know. I want to know, you know, when you guys said, Hey, let's do this no bull thing something had to jump in front of you other like coronavirus and say, you're never going to get there. Yeah. How did you get over that? So when I bring you two on the show, I'd love to have that conversation. Talk about some of those dark nights because that's where people stop. And I think All a day. lot of people are there. Well, I'm excited about coming to Texas in the, in the next few months and we're going to build out mission performance blueprint. So that is uh, that's going to be amazing. Um, real quick, share with us the, the website where they can go and check that out and find the first uh, blog. Sure. It's uh missionreadyhuman.com and uh real simple one word missionreadyhuman.com. And uh all my contact info is in there. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on uh I have a Facebook group. I don't really do much on Facebook other than personal stuff, but uh yeah LinkedIn's the best way to get in touch with me and uh or the mission ready human website Mike at missionreadyhuman.com. Awesome. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much, Mike. Guys, Appreciate it was a pleasure. Time. All right, man. Have an amazing day. Stay safe. Thanks for having me. We'll see you guys. Right. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Great interview. Great interview. Uh, just a reminder that you can check us out Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Uh, we'll be right back wherever you're watching this or listening to this, uh, your favorite podcasting platform. Um YouTube, Facebook video, over on LinkedIn. And we have a special little behind the scenes show that we do when we film these things. When we film these things, it's either at 11 a.m. Uh, on Tuesday or 4 p.m. on Tuesday. And so if you're interested in getting some of the behind the scenes uh, perks and announcements uh, and things that we're doing to build this uh, rocket ship that is No Bull 2022.0, our event, 
uh, featuring Gary Vaynerchuk and a host of amazing uh, strategic and tactical speakers that we're building out over two days. Um, make sure that you subscribe. Subscribe on our podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Um, we'll see you live over on YouTube. And check out noblecon.com. That's where you can get tickets to the event. And until next time, cheers, everyone, to cheers. life and business. May you pros prosper in both. Prosper? What does that mean? That too. Good stuff.